0: Okay, so open up your Bibles to Proverbs 12, and we will read verse 10 through 20 here in just a minute. So we're going to continue, Uh, we're picking up where we left off last time in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to continue to see the principles of wisdom that the Lord desires for us to learn as we seek to live godly and wise lives in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now some of these truths are covered more than once, or some are covered from various different perspectives, but... Uh, let us not just brush it off, let us realize if it's covered more than once, then obviously the Lord thought that we needed extra emphasis on these areas, right? Amen. Amen. So let us look again to the book of Proverbs and let us see that good and wise way that God wants us to walk in. Let's start by reading in verse number 10. A righteous man regarded the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. The wicked desireth the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. Now, uh, starting in verse 10, we're looking at these principles of wisdom again. I want you to notice, first of all, I see here in this first text a right compassion or a right mercy. Uh, The Bible says here in verse 10, A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. Um, it's interesting to notice that the Bible tells us here that a righteous, godly man is merciful and kind and compassionate, even to his animals. Uh, yet a wicked man is characterized by what? By cruelty, right? In fact, it tells us that the tenderest mercies of such a man are still cruel. Listen, folks, it's it's not right or wise to be unmerciful or cruel to others, or even to our animals. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about in this day and age. We have some extremists out there today who would kill their children and rescue stray animals on the street. They would kill their babies and they would go rescue the endangered species around the world. Um, and certainly those affections are messed up, aren't they? Okay, But uh, the Bible is very clear here that uh, we are to treat others with grace and mercy and compassion as we would desire to be treated. And we are to tend to and properly care for the needs of our animals as well. That's that's kind of the least of it, okay? Uh, We are to regard their life. And a man who is cruel and who mistreats his animals or mistreats other individuals around them is not wise. That's not wise. Um, You know what, folks? The world ought to see a difference in us. Our life shouldn't be like a country song, right? Beat my dog, beat my wife, beat my kids. And sing it all over again, right? God's not pleased with that. We ought to be different. They shouldn't see one who's cruel or abusive or unmerciful to the other people or creatures that are in their life. That's not godly. That's not Christ-like, right? We ought to be seen as kind and tender and compassionate. Now you think about it this way, just like the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd that Care it for his sheep. You read Psalms 23 and how Jesus takes care of us, and that's the way he wants us to tend to and take care of those around us, including even the animals that he entrusts us. Okay, this is the way that God wants us to be, a right compassion, a right mercy. Uh, listen, I, and I've heard stories before of even preachers who in fits of rage have killed a child's dog or something like that because the dog gets something they didn't like forever those kids were tormented by that thought of what their father had chosen to do. Um, listen, folks, when we act out like that, in a manner like that, God is not pleased. We are not being wise, and we certainly are not being Christian. Okay, We ought to have others look at us and say, wow, look at even the way he treats his animals. <laughs> I mean, he's going to treat his family right, he's going to treat others right, but he's going to even have tender mercies towards the animals that are under his care. Because we are different as Christians, amen? Amen. That is the wise way. I notice also here I see a, a right work ethic. Look with me at verse number 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. You know, we live in a world today And uh, where they want to promote socialism. They want to take from the rich and give to the poor, right? They want to take from those who have and give to those who have not. Everybody wants something handed to them on a silver platter, right? They think they're entitled to get what you've got, right? But the Bible is clear. If any would not work, neither should he eat, the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. You know, I think if we'd apply that type of standard in our government, we'd see a whole lot less people applying for government aid and things of that nature, right? Honestly, a lot of them just don't want to work. They don't care to work. The Bible says a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And the Bible makes it quite clear to us here in verse 11 that a wise man is a working man, amen, and he shall be satisfied with bread. He shall have the provision and the supply needed to care for himself and his family. Uh, On the other hand, a foolish man is not busy working for a living, but he is busy following vain persons, the Bible says. The Bible says such a man is void of understanding. Okay, he doesn't have any common sense. Okay, You're hungry, you got two hands, go out and plow up your field if you can't do anything else, right? You work, you'll have food. God tells you that. God promises that, amen? It's a biblical principle. The Bible also says in Proverbs 28, 19, he repeats this same exact verse. But at the end, instead of saying the man uh, is void of understanding, it says that such a man shall have poverty enough. Listen, friend, there's no lack for a man who's willing to work. But a man who's not work is going to one day find himself in poverty. You know, during the Great Depression, there was a lot of people that really struggled to get through. There may come a day again here in America where we're going to have to say, OK, let's get out the plows again. I think I want something to eat, right? There might come a day when we actually have to do that again. But you know what? Praise God. I've got one hand that works. I've got two hands that work. I've got two feet, praise God, that work. If push comes to shove, I'll go plow up the yard and plant carrots, amen. And Sammy will be very disappointed because he doesn't like carrots, but we'll have plenty to eat, amen. You know, when we were in Ukraine, that's something that we saw there that I've, I've not seen. I don't know if they do this in South Africa or not, for the Chad, but they would take almost every inch of their property, and they would plow it up and they would plant. I mean, they would plant something on almost every part. Miss Elfrida kind of does that a little bit on her property in the front of her yard, but they would use all their space. So I mean, if you had an acre of yard, it would just be growing up with vegetables everywhere. It was amazing. And, And we were amazed just watching how they would do that. But you know, they made almost nothing. I mean, they made like less than $50 a week. It was really not, enough to survive on, maybe just enough to barely pay their their electric bills and things like that, but they lived off the bounty of the earth, and they would farm their land all summer long. They would store potatoes and carrots and cabbages in their root cellar, and then they would can all kinds of everything imaginable you could think of and store it all up, and they'd live off of it year-round. And they ate good. They would eat good, even though they were really, in essence, they were poor people. But they never had any lack because they were willing to use what God had given them. Hand one and hand two, foot one and foot two, amen? And they put two and two together and they got something to eat, amen? Listen, a right work ethic is what God wants to see in you and I. He doesn't want us out there scheming ways to make money. Just put your hands to the pile, get busy, get get to work, and guess what? God will take care of you, amen? Amen. And uh, you know what it ought to be? Our desire uh, as individuals to have a good work ethic, because a good work ethic is wise. Um, And it's foolish to follow vain persons. The Bible says that for a person who follows vain persons, they're going to want. You know, we had an individual in our church in Ukraine, and um, he was always scheming. He was always trying to figure out a way to make big money. just do this I can make this much money if I just do this I can make this much money whereas if he just went out and farmed the back of his property he would have enough for the whole year but there was numerous times to the time that we knew him where he ended up in the gutter somewhere with no food and no money barely able to survive because he was always scheming trying to make big money following vain persons in fact there was one night I ended up picking him up on the street beat up because he borrowed money from somebody and was never able to pay it back again but listen folks The problems he got into is because he didn't have a right work ethic. May God help us to have that. That's what God is pleased with. Notice also there's a a right earning. Look at verse number two, or a a right honest living. Verse number 12. The wicked desireth the net of evil, uh, the net of evil men, but the root of the righteous yieldeth fruit. Notice the difference here between the wise and the foolish man. Okay, uh, in how they try to earn a living. The righteous man, boy, he just he gets down to business and he works and he sees the fruit of his labors. The Bible says it's the fruit uh, or the produce of, of his righteousness. But the, the the foolish man follows those vain individuals, and these wicked men lay their net and their trap, and they're looking to to quickly and easily attain a living by finding some sort of way to trap the supply or the fruit of somebody else. (laughs) How many of you met like that? Or the whole goal is to profit off the misfortune of those around them who they can somehow ensnare. God says that's wicked. God says it's right and good to work with your hands. It's wicked to profit off the misfortune of others. And listen, friend, how you earn your living and your supply and your sustenance, it is important to God. Mm-hmm. A wise man is known by living off the fruit of his labors rather than living off the misfortunes of those around him that is able to catch in his nets and take advantage of. There are many ways that a man can do this. One of the first things that comes to my mind is gambling. Is that not exactly what's happening when somebody gambles? Really, in essence, they are, uh, when someone gambles, they're getting rich off the misfortunes of somebody else. They've laid their trap. They're looking to get what they've earned with their hands, with their labors for themselves without doing anything. And that's wicked. God's not pleased with that. And I've met many others in many other forms or or ways, you know. Um, When I was uh, in Maine, there was a, there was a, place called Hogan Tire Company and I will never forget to this day brother Bill I took my car in there and they gave me three sheets long of everything they said needed to be fixed in it I can remember even now it cost more to fix the car than I paid to get the car to begin with and at that time I was ignorant my dad helped me pay the bill but I look back on it now and I realize you know what they were swindling they laid their traps they were trying to take money from honest men that had earned it uh, they've got plenty of my dad's money during that during that trap. I've seen others do the same thing. I've seen... Uh, I, we were up in Harrisonburg uh, for a vacation once, and everybody kept on teasing me about the Midas Touch after that, because I went to Midas, and they told me my rotors needed to be replaced, and they were fine. They were good. They were just looking for an excuse to rip me off. And you know what, folks? There are people like that all over the place. They're just looking to take advantage... Um, there's AC guys out there, man. They don't. I don't care what's wrong with your system. All they want to do is just give you a new unit. Why? So they can get your money. So they can take advantage of you. Um, and, and there's so many other other things just like that. What are they doing? They don't want to work hard. They just want to lay their net and take somebody else's hard-earned money. And listen, folks. God is not pleased with that. God wants us to have a right, honest living. Uh, there's only one way to live right. And that's the honest way, right? Not the unjust way. Uh, One of the the things that comes to my mind, they had that Christian film that came out years ago called Flywheel. And you remember the guy, before he got saved, I mean, he was just scheming and cheating old ladies and pastors and anybody he could think of. I mean, he'd sell an old beat-up car and something a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, this is the best car they've got on the lawn, just for you, just what you want. And he'd jack up the price of something awful and make all kinds of money on it. But you know, when he got saved, something changed. And boy, he realized he couldn't operate that way anymore. You know what? God's not pleased when we operate in that manner. He wants us to operate in a right, wise, and godly manner, earning our living in an honest way. Okay, so we notice here a right earning. Notice also a right speech in verse number 13 through 14. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. And listen, folks, a foolish man will be snared by his foolish speech. But a wise man is delivered because of right words. You see, the truth is that, that we can sin with our lips. If you haven't figured it out yet, we can sin with our lips. <laughs> In fact, I think probably this is one of the most common avenues of our sin is with our lips and our tongue. And so a wise man will learn to be careful when he speaks and he will learn also to be careful concerning what he says or how that he says it. Because a wise man is satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, the Bible says. And instead of being snared, he is delivered out of trouble because of his right speech. So what about you? Are you foolish with your speech? Are you critical? Are you a gossip? Are you deceitful? Are you angry or unkind? That is foolish, and you will ensnare yourself with your own words um, on that rail, Christian, uh, sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. You ever you ever walked on in on somebody while they were gossiping? And they were gossiping. Now, if they're gossiping about somebody else, it's fine. But if they're gossiping about you and you walk in on them, how do they react? Right? I mean, it's like, oh, no, near the headlights, right? Why? Because they know they shouldn't be doing that. They know it doesn't honor if They're a Christian. They know it doesn't honor the Lord. It's not wise. What about when you catch somebody in a lie? They're being deceitful. And you you call them out. Uh-uh. You know that's not right. You know that. That's the same type of response. Of course, I've had to do that with my children from time to time. No sir, no ma'am. That's not right. You know better. Right? A right speech. You know what? You're going to get caught If you fool around with foolish speech, let us have a right speech, for that is wise. Notice also here, right hearkening, verse number 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. How many times, um, or how how many I've met that I've dealt with can't or won't listen to anybody but themselves? And you know what? I mean, there's some that that's just the character that, that, that dominates in their life. But you know what? A wise man is a man that not only learns to listen to others' counsel, but he learns to actually hearken to others' counsel. That means he learns not just to hear what they're saying, but actually to apply that wisdom that he's hearing from them to his life. And I'll tell you, I've met so many that have got themselves into trouble. And I wish I could have done it for them. I wish I could have shook them up and said, no, you don't want to do that. And I counseled them and I talked with them, but they wouldn't listen and they did their own thing anyways. And they got themselves into a mess. Right. Because they didn't want to listen to counsel. They did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, since I've been in the ministry over the years, there have been so many numerous times where I've counseled with somebody I've tried to encourage them in the right path, but as they, instead of listening, they wouldn't hearken. Went in one ear, out the other. Oh, yeah, yeah, preacher, that's good. that's good, that's good, that's good, preacher. And then they did what was right in their own eyes. And sure enough, I know Brother Chad, he's seen it too. Sure enough, yep. they reaped the repercussions in their life because of it. Remember? And they could look back later and they knew, you know what? wish I'd listened to the preacher. Listen, friend, it is foolish when you don't hearken to wise counsel. And it is foolish for a man to operate according to what is right in his own eyes. That will get you into trouble every time. Our hearts are so wicked and deceitful that, you know what, you can't even know your own heart. Only God does. And that's why, listen, that's why godly counsel is so important. That's why it's so important for us to be wise and to hearken to that counsel as well. You know, honestly, even here as a pastor, you know, I'm the one that's supposed to be leading this church in charge of deciding what things are going to happen or not happen in this church. But you know what? Before I do anything of any significance in this church, generally what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, OK, Brother Daryl, come here. Brother Bill, come here. Brother Raymond, Brother Jackie, come here. I'm going to gather a number of the men. I'm going to say, OK, what do you guys think about this? If any one of them says, preacher, I just don't know, I've got a funny feeling about it, I'll say, well, let's pray about it. Because you know what? I'm not God. And if any one of those godly men say, you know what? I've got a funny feeling about that. I'm just not sure about that. You know what? I'm going to pull back and I'll say, well, let's pray about it a little bit longer. Because I want to do what God wants us to do. And you know what? If I'm not willing to listen to godly counsel, even the pastors— when the time comes, well, I'll tell you what, I want that counsel. Because I don't want to make mistakes. And in the multitude of counselors, their safety is not there. That's what the Bible tells us. And so there's a right hearkening. It's wise to be a person that listens to counsel. And not only listens to it, but when you hear it, you hear it and apply to your life what you've heard. Because if you don't apply it, you're not wise. <laughs> okay, that's hearing, maybe listening, but not hearkening. Okay, so a right hearkening. Notice also here a right temperament, verse number 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. And the Bible makes it abundantly clear that a foolish man quickly and angrily reacts. Notice how it says here, his wrath is known when? Presently, like immediately, okay? That's the character of someone who's a fool. Okay, God says that's foolish. But a wise man will calmly and honorably and wisely handle each thing that is thrown his way. Such a man is slow to wrath, slow to speak, as James says. Because such a man wisely handles himself in such a manner, he is enabled, as these verses say, to conceal any possible shameful responses that might have abruptly come from him had he not been so prudent. Truly, it is foolish and shameful to be quick to wrath. A man who cannot control his own spirit will end up with a mess because of his foolishness. The Bible says in Proverbs also that he's like a man with his walls torn down, or a city with his walls torn down. It won't be good I remember as a young missionary um, When we were on deputation I don't think we had really been on, on deputation All that long We were visiting another church in New England And this one particular church had a basketball court and So all the missionaries went out there We were all playing basketball, having a good time And some of the church folks were playing as well and I remember one of the missionaries Ended up getting hit in the face with the ball glasses on it knocked his glasses off and he just I mean he just turned into a volcano man I'll just tell you what his glasses he pulled those glasses off and he started hollering and he chucked the ball at the side of the wall <laughs> and uh, I remember just being amazed just kind of standing back and awe <laughs> that this missionary who was supposed to be a godly individual who was going to be a missionary on some foreign field and try and start a church would publicly display such behavior especially in a church where he was looking to gain support and you could tell it was shameful just looking at all the faces of all the other men of God that were standing there playing ball with him what surprises me that church did support him but I had fellowship with this man uh, since then years after that as well and you know what? He's a good brother. I love him. And the Lord, I remember when we came here, he sent, sent a, a con. Don't you need a missionary from this country? <laughs> I kind of just let it slide, thinking, you know what? If you can't control yourself. Like I saw on that basketball court, what are you going to do in your home? What are you going to do in your church? What are you going to do in your community when situations arise? God's not pleased with that, is he? it's not wise is it i remember growing up there was a uh, family friend and he wasn't a christian man i think he claimed to be but it was very obvious now looking back i can see that he wasn't and we would go camping with his family i can remember um he came up and fun and shoved ice down the back of my shirt now my dad would be prone to do things like that sometimes and i'd go right back and get him so i thought you know what he did that to me i'm going to get him back just a a young boy maybe about Sammy's age maybe a little older I can't remember and so I got myself that piece of ice and I rubbed it right back there and shoved it down his shirt well I grabbed his glasses the string on his glasses just a little bit when I did that And boy the volcano set off and I just stood back there as a little kid like this I was like man I had no idea my dad had never interacted with me like that before praise the Lord my dad wasn't like that but I was in complete shock that a man would act like that the same man Went out to the golf course with my dad later on, and my dad told me he said, the Guy hit a bad shot. And he ran out into the fairway, and the next fairway over, laid down in the middle of the fairway in front of the golf cart, and said, Just run me over, run me over, uh, let me die. <laughs> because he had hit him a bad shot, and he was just quick to wrath. Is God pleased with that? God is not pleased with that. God God is not pleased when we have that type of temperament with a man whose wrath, whose anger is presently known. Uh, May God help us to be prudent uh, because the Bible says a prudent man covereth that type of shameful response. Amen? Okay, so there's a right temperament. God God wants us to be. If you struggle with that, you need to ask the Lord to help you. Can the Lord not help with that? Sure, He can. He can help with any of our faults. With any of our failures, with any of our downfallings, any area where we struggle or have a problem, we can say, God, I confess, and that's where it's going to start. I confess that this isn't, isn't right. I need help here, God. Won't you help me? Because I know I'm prone to blow up. Well, I need help with this. Please, God. So notice here there's a right temperament. I want you to notice also verse 17 and 19, there's a right truthfulness says, he that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. And then verse 19 says, the lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. So both of these verses emphasize the importance of truthfulness and honesty. And uh, truly, it is foolish to be dishonest and untruthful and deceitful. God doesn't want that. It's so amazing to me as we go out door to door and talk to folks nowadays how many want to justify this type of behavior as no big deal. Uh, many folks say, "Well, it's just a little white lie. It's it's just a little deceit. It's just a little dishonest. Really, doesn't matter in their eyes." But you know what? It is a big deal to the Lord. It is foolish. It's foolish of us to think otherwise, okay? And, and we as God's people especially ought to be known as a people that speak the truth, amen, and that are honest. Sure. Zechariah eight sixteen tells us to speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. And truly we ought to be known as such men. People ought to know that when they come to us, they are going to get a straight and truthful answer. Um, an answer that's going to be honest and just as well. Really, the truth is that even if we are not verbally doing this, listen, friend, when we play the hypocrite, think about it now, we are being dishonest as well, aren't we? Isn't that what you're doing when you play a hypocrite? Uh, Because what we're doing is we're presenting ourselves as one thing, maybe on Sunday morning or maybe out in the community or maybe in certain situations, but we're presenting where we actually are something else in different situations. You see, what we present is just for show. That's deceit. That's dishonest. That's not truthful. It's not wise as well, okay? Um, We are called, listen, we're to be called to be honest in word and deed, not foolish, deceitful, and hypocritical, okay? It's not wise for us to be that way. It's wise for us to be honest and and truthful, okay. Um, and so, may God help us to portray that white, right, wise way. Notice also verse eight. I got just two more things, and we'll be done quickly. Uh, number eight. notice here in verse eighteen, a right tongue. Verse eighteen says, "There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the hell, the wise is health." Now, this describes two ways of using your tongue, right? To inflict pain, to pierce like a sword, or to impart health and healing? How do you use your tongue? Is it like a weapon of war which you use to inflict pain upon those who displease you? Or are your words like the balm of Gilead? Are they like a medicine which brings health and healing to a wounded life? As Christians, we ought to be wisely known as those who are caring, compassionate, considerate, and encouraging with our words. Amen. Really, every one of us ought to be a Barnabas, a son of consolation, amen. amen? But you know what? Mean, angry, bitter, sharp, heartful, critical words are foolish words, and they should not be associated with us as God's children, Amen? God wants us to be wise, and God wants us to be different, amen? The truth is, uh, in this truth, it's very evidently conveyed in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. I want us to read it real quick, Ephesians 4, verse 29 to 32. Look exactly how Brother Paul writes this out here. He says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that means building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And, and how are you going to do that? Well, he says, let all bitterness and all wrath and, and all anger and all clamor and all evil speaking be put away from you with all mouths. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake forgiven you. Um, you see, to use our tongue um, contrary to the manner which is portrayed in this text in Ephesians, you know what? It's not wise, is it? And so, let us not inflict pain with our words, but what, let us wisely use our words to bring healing to those and help to those that are around us. Amen. And notice lastly tonight, I, I see here right intention in verse number 20. If you would look there with me. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace is joy. The Bible, Jesus says in the New Testament, blessed are the peacemakers, right? What about you? As it talks about here, are you a plotter of evil or are you a promoter of peace? Even the foolish man is filled with deceit and and evil imaginations, and certainly God is not pleased with that, right? In fact, the Bible tells us in Genesis 6-5 that when God looked on the world in Noah's day, which we live in a very similar day, it says that he saw that every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was so displeased with those foolish people that what? He sent a global flood to destroy all of them. Noah stood alone as a wise counselor of peace in that wicked day. Crying out for those wicked people to listen to God and just get in the ark and have peace with God. But they refused and died in a very awful way, tragic way outside the doors of that ark. What about you? Are you a wise man that promotes the peace of God and peace with God, which only can come through Jesus Christ? Or is your life foolishly consumed by the deceit and evil imaginations of your own heart? May God help us to be those blessed, wise peacemakers rather than those who foolishly follow wicked and deceitful imaginations of our own hearts. And so listen, folks, truly in each of these principles that we've looked at tonight, God conveys to us his wisdom. I hope as we go line upon line, precept upon precept, through each of these verses in the book of Proverbs, I hope that God will use it in our lives, because oftentimes we can read over these things, and we can skip over so much and not really dig into what it means in a practical way in our life. But I don't know about you, I want to be wise. <laughs> I don't want to be worldly wise. I want to be wise in his eyes, amen? And so I hope and pray that as we come this Wednesday night service and the Lord directs me to continue through this book, that God will continue to work in our hearts to see the wise way that God wants us to continue to walk in our lives, amen? Brother Chad, if you would, why don't you go ahead and close us in a word of prayer tonight, please?